This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to episode 133 of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have our special review for Dan Trachtenberg's new film, Prey, now streaming on Hulu, along with a mini checkup featuring the likes of Tom Cruise, Ezra Miller, Zazie Beats, and more. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy episode 133 of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy doody, welcome to episode 133 of TDI. This is a very soaked Dr. O on the horn right now. All right, just, I just finished uh, mowing the lawn a little bit, jumped in the Excuse pool. me. Yes, and uh, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, my best friend, maybe a Predator franchise aficionado, Ricky Flicks. He's giving me a cringy look there. How are you, dude? All right, happy Tuesday when we're recording. Yeah, I don't know if I would call my. I, I haven't seen all seven instances of this franchise, but I've seen a bunch. I've seen like four or five. I think five. Um, I won't. I won't call myself an aficionado because I don't think I'm a big fan of these movies. But I'm a fan of this movie. I am a fan. Spoiler alert! I am a fan of Prey, and I recommend watching it. Spoiler alert for the review. It seems like this is a. I guess a. A review we didn't target initially. Well, uh, we, we focused on Bullet Train that was coming out, but what was the hype coming out of this weekend? It wasn't Bullet Train, or it was probably the underwhelming performance of Bullet Train. And then this, like, out of nowhere hit from the Predator franchise that's strictly on streaming from Dan Trachtenberg, uh, director of 10 and Cloverfield Lane and director of the first episode of The Boys, amongst other projects. Uh, very exciting young director. And I can't wait to talk about it, but we have some news to get to first, Ricky Flex, right? We recorded the checkup in the middle of the day yesterday, and it's a sin we probably will never commit again because we got hit with a wave of Monday movie news. Uh, We have, first off, we got to show respect to another Hollywood icon that has tragically passed. We have the death of Olivia Newton-John, who died at the age of 73, primarily known, right, as a pop singer, but also for her Iconic turn as Miss Sandra Dean in Greece, Ricky Flex. Uh, what are your thoughts on Olivia Newton John? I assume you were a massive fan based on our upbringing. Huge, huge Greece fan. Clearly a huge fan of Olivia Newton John in Greece. Just, she was breast cancer, right? She's been dealing with this for a while. And she was 73, so happy she was able to get to 73 at the minimum. She, I think she's been dealing with this for a long time. But yeah, like Grease, all-time movie, all-time performance. Uh, just, yeah, that just another, like, it seems like we're just getting these every week, just like these icons. Now, finally, we're going away from the mob scene, and now, like, that was kind of crazy how we had that mob, like, run of people dying, and now it's Hitler and John. Yeah, Hitlist, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, no, that. like it was good to see like an outrage of support, like John Travolta with the good Instagram story and everybody. So, but yeah, sad, but Sandra D, uh, rest in peace. I just find her career kind of interesting because obviously she was a huge pop star. Let's get physical, you know, that's a little bit of John, right? Let's get physical, yeah, yeah. But like uh, going beyond that, like after Greece, like there was no real prominent movie roles for Olivia Newton John, she kind of just rode this grease wave right throughout her music career as well um i thought she was amazing in that movie and her making that turn at the end to the iconic black leather jacket tell me about it stud like what like part of so many iconic moments in that movie itself and just a very talented person um i gotta watch grease this week i have no choice i find myself watching movies in memoriam for the past two months, whether it's Ray Liotta, I'm watching Goodfellas, Parcel V, Parcel Reed, I'm also, also watching Goodfellas, uh, Tony Siriaco, I'm finding myself watching Polly Walnuts, I'm watching uh, uh, Sopranos episodes, uh, Pine Barrens, I'm watching, and now I gotta watch Grease. So it's just kind of sad that we constantly find ourselves turning left and right and seeing that iconic 
performers are dying and uh, it just seems like a a trend that i would like to stop very soon <laughs> i think it needs to stop because it's a uh, it's sad but it's great to revisit these movies because they're legendary it is weird how like you know people die every day yeah and like celebrities there's so many of them they do die every day but it's like i don't know it just feels like this summer I, i'm not saying like bigger celebrities or smaller or scale or whatever i'm just saying it feels like more well-known celebrities are just dying left and right and celebrities as in actors it's kind of weird i don't know that's just like my vibe i don't know maybe i'm wrong on this it seems like a tidal wave <laughs> like it, it seems really weird and uh i don't remember the last time we i think over the course of a year we get this these many deaths but never like in a short month and a half span or two months span it just seems like they're all piling on top of one another and uh, as much as we like having fun on the podcast talking about movies like we also got to recognize the greats and we got to recognize like what they contributed to our childhood. Like Greece was a commonplace movie, not only like on cable, but, like on DVD for us. So, like we're listening on road trips. We're listening to the Greece soundtrack. And uh, I don't know. It's, just, it's tough. Even like listen to the Frankie, uh, the Frankie Valley theme song, right? To Greece. I remember we went to go see Frankie Valley as a family. What's the first song he plays? It's the Greece theme. It's like, he's known for so many. You could start off with like, Oh, what a night or, sherry or any of those songs from um jersey boys yet what does he start with greece just because of like the cultural resonance that movie has you know yeah it's just yeah i just feel like in the two or three years whenever we started this podcast two years ago it's like i feel like it's every week right now we're doing a in memoriam like recapping like someone's career when like usually it's like once every few months i don't know it's just like bruce will like even not even bruce willis i almost said that he died he didn't it's just his <laughs> over to that's like, the second just, time you've done that <laughs> i gotta stop doing that I'm, I'm projecting something there i'm like predicting something by saying that i'm gonna cut that from the podcast all right um let's wait, get wait, actually i did what? that one thing because like because we were talking i just about, keep like, thinking he's dead i know talk like and he was like we're dead. nervous just... about like predicting like another death but i was thinking about this last night i literally couldn't sleep for like 20 minutes because I was thinking about this because on the podcast, uh, the previous episode, we were talking about bike riders and I mentioned Greece and comparing Austin Butler to John Travolta, how like, yeah, I want to see that kind of look, that T bird look in that movie. <laughs> and like, then like a few hours later, freaking yeah. Newton John died. So yeah, I was just thinking about it. that for like 20 minutes. So I'm like, not terrible. But it's <laughs> now we're talking, and we're talking about like a long-standing franchise today with like many iconic, iconic actors that have contributed to it. Like we got to be careful with our words yeah. here. Um, I feel like there's this one day where our podcast will be big enough, and then I'll accidentally say Bruce Willis is dead, and then it will all of a sudden start trending on Twitter. <laughs> like that's like a fear <laughs> of mine. Like oh my god, Bruce Willis is dead. As reported by the Driving Podcast, we're like no, yeah. no, 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 like, no, no, no. And then that, that's like one where it's like oh, like he does have health issues that's believable versus like if we say a random person's name i'm going to not do that but if we say a random celebrity that's in perfect health right now and that like and with the the inner internet no twitter world yeah no <laughs> examples but the internet twitter world takes it and runs with it that's like different <laughs> I, I, let's just get off this uh rest in peace olivia newton john uh pop culture icon let's move on with the checkup here tom cruise and christopher mcquarrie are developing four new projects together. Right after we were done recording, this news dropped, and oh my God, are these projects juicy? One of these we did already know was in the works. We have an untitled film that's going to be shot in space. I assume that Macquarie is going to be helping write or produce this movie. It's going to be directed by Doug Lyman, who actually just appeared on the podcast earlier this week, director of the upcoming Roadhouse remake for Amazon with Jake Gyllenhaal in the lead. Along with this space movie with the unknown plot, we also have an, a new potential action thriller franchise between uh, Tom Cruise and Macquarie. You've seen the success they've had in the latter half of the Mission Impossible franchise. What can they conjure up to uh, kind of, I guess, take advantage of the box office potential of Tom Cruise in a franchise action uh, role? But also, he's 60 years old. Uh, next, right? Two of the most interesting projects that i've heard about is there's going to be a song and dance style musical with Macquarie and cruise involved cruise will star in this movie and then finally there's going to be a project focused on tropic thunders les grossman starring tom cruise with Macquarie, uh also being involved in the production of that uh, that upcoming film it's unknown if this will be a project that was just feature les grossman in a supporting role or he will have a starring role ricky flicks where do you want to start here? Which one captures your attention? 
Gus Grossman for sure. Yep. It's not even close. I don't know what the heck's going on anymore. This is like 15 years after Tropic Thunder, 14 years. He this can't be a solo movie. The the reason why he's arguably like the best part of Tropic Thunder is because he's in a small borderline cameo supporting character role. That's why it's so good. It's just so surprising. The transformation, it's Tom Cruise, that type of character bouncing off of McConaughey and Ben Stiller. That's why it's so good. For him to have his own spin-off solo movie, that <clears throat> would like take things away from me. Sorry, I'm coughing up a storm. Coughing here. up along there. He's got the black but, No, but like, am I wrong? Like him being like the center piece of a movie, I think is a little too much. I agree. I 100% agree. I think if it was a solo movie, it would kind of, the character would grow tiresome a little bit. He already kind of grew a little bit tiresome in Tropic Thunder. I've loved him, but it was kind of too much at points. With him as the, like, the sole lead character in a movie, that might be a lot. I could see it like as a HBO like series, almost like an Eastbound and Down, like Danny McBride type of series, like with Les Grossman, like that could work, where it's just go on full on comedy throughout and you have great supporting characters surrounding him. But a movie, that won't do it. Uh, it'd be interesting how they implement him into another movie. Because if he's, they want, he's so juicy as a supporting character, how are you going to build a story around that and he's not the lead? To me, that's going to be forced and it just spells recipe for disaster. Uh, although, like, honestly, like him as Les Grossman is probably the scene stealer alongside Robert Downey Jr. from uh, Tropic Thunder. That's fascinating to me, though. Any final thoughts before we move on to the next project? Jack Black scene stealer. Like, that whole movie is amazing. We should do a rewatch. Like, Maybe, uh, like, they a do a Jeff, of that. A Jeff Portnoy um, from Tropic Thunder. He moves on with his career, and then you still have Les Grossman, like, as the head of the studio, or you another spinoff. You could focus on literally the best supporting actor nominee here with a, uh, with a kind of more in depth role than people give him credit for with Robert Downey Jr as uh lazarus kirk lazarus like maybe he moves on with his career robert Downey jr can't be too too busy right now i know he had oppenheimer going on maybe sherlock holmes 3 maybe he does a spinoff of this character and i think that could be a lot of comedy there and i think you can kind of explore kirk lazarus trying to like get in character in another type of role all right and maybe not play on the same themes as tropic thunder but still have less grossman there by his side people forget he was nominated for an oscar for playing this character, Robert Downey Jr. was. People forget. Um, but yeah, he has a few roles coming up besides Oppenheimer, allegedly Sherlock Holmes 3. Is he a show? Does he mean a he show? A, he has a show coming out. I think it's uh, called The Sympathizer. It's like a miniseries. I don't know like what the deal is with that. But yeah, he has a bunch of other stuff coming out, but like nothing of prominence besides Oppenheimer and then maybe rumored Sherlock Holmes 3. So I don't know. But yeah, like let's reunite. Mm -hmm. Les Grossman with Kurt Lazarus, maybe instead of Ben Stiller focus, or maybe get Ben Stiller back on the horn with Christopher McQuarrie or something like that. Straight that up sequel to cool. Tropic Thunder. Just make a straight up sequel. Bring back McConaughey too. Oh, that would give be it, pretty good. Give too. him some more lines. Um, I feel like if they did like any type of sequel or a spinoff to Tropic Thunder, it's going to have the vibes of like an Anchorman 2, where it's like kind of the energy is gone it's been too long since because oh eight is when les grossman last appeared like they're gonna like pile on the prosthetics again at a 61 year old 60 year old uh tom cruise like to me that's kind of bold it's just uh they're, i think they're kind of riding this wave and like cruise realizes he might be on his last legs here and his popularity may not ever reach what it has with top gun maverick like in terms of like modern day movies because obviously you talk about 80s and 90s like Cruz dominated but like this might be him taking advantage of like obviously top gun maverick's success for sure and then like we already along with this news not to try to change the subject here but staying on the subject but different role would be like the movie in space we already knew that but dog doug lyman now officially tash worked with them before many times so like there you go and i think the other big thing here that's the shocker is the musical the is this true the musical he's Hands already up. done he's already <laughs> done Grossman. one technically rock of ages remember we saw that in theaters one of the worst movies i've seen in a theater that was brutal yeah and, and like tom awful. cruise was cringy in that movie yeah very cringy i i, I love cruise but let's stay away from music have we so what let's talk, let's kind of brainstorm the experiences we have of watching tom tom cruise sing Right, and whether it's been positive or negative experience, let's start out with Top Gun when you've lost that love and feel it. Right, 
great performer. All right. Not much of a dancer there. Cringy voice. Rock of Ages. Cringy performance. Bad. All right. Looks good in the leather. Right. He'll pull that off. Okay. But he's Overall, a performer. He's a performer. Risky business. To... Uh, clearly, Bob C. Free Fallen. Free oh, Fallen and Jerry Maguire. Yeah. But again, that's all about the, that's like his performance. Like he's not actually like really singing. You know? Have we seen him dance? Like, have we yeah, seen him dance? He can dance. He has the he's charisma. an athlete. He'll he's learn. an a athlete. A-list commands the screen, but I don't want him singing. I don't want a musical. I think it's going to throw off audiences so badly when we see Tom Cruise like this. Is, and like now he's after like decades of going all in on this action, on these action franchises and action movies. Like now he decides like when he's post 60 to go into like these others, these other realms. And that could tell you that I would, I would say that he's like, okay, taking a break from the action movies. But then again, another one of these four projects here is another potential franchise and with Christopher McQuarrie. It makes me a little nervous. I, I think if it's an original, original IP, similar to like a Mission Impossible, but like something that he starts or something like that, I think that would be good. Like, I know, like maybe come from a show that was back, like Mission Impossible was, or like from a book, not necessarily like a Jack Reacher, but something different, right? But I don't know. That's also makes me nervous because like if you do like a remake of The Mummy and you want that mm. to be a franchise, that's... That's not what we want to do. But Christopher McQuarrie, I'm very confident in him. Right? Look what he's done with Jack Reacher. Just the first one. He didn't uh, didn't do the second one. And then, of course, the new era of Mission Impossible in the 2000, 2010s and now beyond. I'm very confident in this partnership and that thriller franchise. But, yes, I'm a little skeptic in case. It, it depends on what they do, like what IP they use or if it's original. That's basically my big uh, question mark here. McQuarrie is quite the partner for Tom Cruise, you know, and like he, he had a hand also in Top Gun Maverick, which is, I know he didn't direct the movie that, um, who directed that Ricky? It was, uh, the guy that did Spiderhead, um, the Tron legacy guy, Joseph Kaczynski, I think. Kaczynski. Yeah. He directed that one, but I think McQuarrie either wrote or produced it, like having him. And then along with, he helped he, write it, write it, write it, not produce it, write it. Uh, but then having him with this new action franchise, it seems like Tom I Cruise, think, it doesn't matter what type of film he's making, musical, action franchise, space movie, whatever it takes, McCarthy's going to be by his side. Do you think it's just a matter of comfortability? Yeah, he. I, I'm pretty sure he wrote and also produced it, just to be clear, with Top Gun Maverick, Chris from McQuarrie. But uh, yeah, no, like he's his like, partner in crime now. And honestly, I, I'm all for that. Just if it's a musical, that's I just can't put my weight behind it i always support tom cruise but in musical form i don't know but we do know christopher mccrory is in on the space project too i'm interested to see how they do that because that might change some things going into the now like going into the future that could change cinema and keep people going to theaters that could be very beneficial and tom cruise as we know from covid he's all about saving movie theaters he's all about you know what he, he will do out. whatever it takes for cinemas and it's not only through action he's like okay how can i let how can i get people to go see a musical in theaters and make sure it doesn't go to streaming a la in the heights right like make sure it goes to theaters and make sure people go see it in theaters you know and i think even if it's good or bad people are gonna go see tom cruise he's just trying to dip in all these different genres and do whatever it takes mm. interesting He's going to be staying in the movie conversation for the foreseeable future. Top Gun Maverick. Okay. What's it's going to stay? I assume it's going to stay in the conversation when it comes to award season. Tom Cruise never sleeps. Moving on with the checkup. Ezra Miller has been charged with another crime. He's been charged with a with felony burglary in Stanford, Vermont. I believe he tried to steal alcohol from uh, a family in Vermont. Dude, like I, I don't think, do you think the Flash movie is going to happen at this point? Do you think it's committed no matter what? Like, what if Ezra Miller commits another crime before this movie? This It's a problem. It's getting Dude. Army Hammer territory with Death on the Nile. Dude, he's been arrested, what, four times more? Um, It's tough, man. I'm trying to think. A lot of times alcohol-related. Like, this is such a bad look, and I, I don't – like, as – I, I think we might be approaching like a spacey uh, in all the money in the world type of like situation where they just might straight up recast him, keep pushing this movie back to a late 2023 release. 
I don't know if he could be in this movie. How could people watch this movie and not think about how bad of a person this dude is or how many times he's been arrested? It's going to take away from the experience when you have Affleck and Keaton there, and you're going to think about what a scumbag the main character is the entire time. You can't hide yeah, him. He's the main again, character. Again, like Army, Army Hammer, Death on the Nile, tough. Like, yeah. I think, well, I, th- I think it's happening. It's just funny how literally mm-hmm. like during the Warner Bros. earnings call – or whatever, like the director of the flat, or not, no, no, not director, producer, any machetes, like wife who's a producer on the flash mm-hmm. said, like everything's good in Flashland. And then literally, like the next day, like this happened, or whatever, four days, whatever. But, um, no, so in 2020, there was a video of him choking a woman and throwing her to the ground. And you I got the timeline up right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I googled it when you were talking. Um, and he did other stuff before that, like, which is very weird. Um, let's see, what else did he do? He made that video threatening to kill the guy who, like, uh, the I think politician supported. I don't know, which just a, a came off racist or like came off like they supported the KKK or something. I don't know. He threatened to kill the KKK or something. Yeah, yeah. Like that. So like in twenty in, in January, he did a video Instagram video telling members of the North Carolina KKK to kill themselves with their own guns, or else we'll do it for you if that's what you want. And that was like the that's like the least, I guess. Yeah. disastrous thing he's done because obviously like yeah. the message is and like then, the, the, the intent is not always, like the way he's saying we should execute this is not good but like to get rid of racism yes good probably the best thing he's done on that time right and there's also re- allegedly oh my god so, actually no that's not right I'm trying he to threaten think. that dude at the bar he was arrested in hawaii in, in march yeah disorderly conduct and harassment physical confrontation at a karaoke bar right I yeah, saw that video that released. Yeah, TMZ. Yeah. And then the, like running away from the literally cops. a couple of days later, Mila, uh, there was a restraining order against him by the people in Hawaii. And there's other stuff. Like he was in custody in Hawaii again for allegedly throwing a chair, which hit a woman at a private party. <laughs> Remember that? He's, that was crazy. He's such a wild card. He's the real life Joker, bro. He's playing the wrong character. I'm, I'm just reading. Sorry. No, but he is like the real life Joker. Like he is just an agent of chaos. He doesn't play by society's rules, and he still and he still expects like like I, I at this point I also think he like kind of doesn't want the movie to be released because he like how does Warner Bros. not do something about this? Get some eyes on this man. Get him. It's, get him a bodyguard. Get him something to make sure and keep him out of trouble because this is out of hand. This is totally out of hand. It was out of hand like three months ago. It's absurd. It's even just one of these altercations literally could have been like resulted in, oh, let's just cancel Ezra Miller. But then we still have more flash news coming out. We have more stuff coming out and we got change of release dates. Nothing as as in, oh, we're deleting the, we're not going to release the movie or anything like that or replace them. But this is just crazy. I still see it happening. There's just too many things involved. Too big of a movie, too many moving parts. It's not a Batgirl situation. This is this is completely different. I think that you can't cancel like those back to back. You can't cancel Batgirl, then cancel the Flash. Like in like the Flash major theatrical event that's already been pushed back multiple times and that's been teased. That already has a teaser trailer that came out during DC Fandom. But to me, it's just that you can't watch it without thinking about how terrible this dude is. You can't. Yeah, I, I see another headline: Ezra Miller accused of housing children in unsafe conditions. Just oh there is so many headlines that are just so bad. Imagine he was in Marvel and this happens. Like Disney property, you know, that that's there's he's gone. He's gone it, after like the first incident. There's no there's no room for like those type of incidents when you're at the house of mouse. Yeah, it's house of mouse. Yeah, I think that <laughs> I think that this will I, I just do you see them deleting uh not releasing this movie? I think it's I big. think they're gonna replace him. I think they're gonna reshoot his scenes with another actor. I just don't see that. That's just way too cost. Like like they just canceled a budget I think it cost a Batgirl for at, close to a hundred million dollars. Like they're not gonna it this cost budget I think was like two hundred million dollars. This budget was cost, like two hundred million. So like it would cost about at least a hundred million to reshoot all this stuff. Yeah, but like you gotta save face a little bit. Like you, you like it just looks so bad and like I think it's, Man. I think it's I, more likely they don't release the movie than reshoot. Do you think they readjust it where, like, you talk about Army Hammer, how he's kind of hidden a little bit in Death of the Nile? Do they do they adjust this and just, like, name it Batman Flashpoint? <laughs> like, do they just make it all about Affleck and Keaton? And then, like, just have Ezra Miller on the side just, like, 
orchestrating stuff and like just trying to like hide him as much as possible. And he might be the villain in this movie too. He's not only the hero, but also potentially play the villain. I I just don't see it. I think this movie's way too flash focused and also might be the villain. Like there's just there's no way you could like do the army hammer kind of zone him out. Like you have to he's gotta be the main (laughs) guy. Front and center. He's gonna be the main two people in this movie, villain and hero. Like you can't somehow phase him out. And the reshoots would be too much. You just can't reshoot the movie. Right. All right, let's go on to more DC news to kind of wrap up the checkup. Zazie Beats in talks to return for Joker 2. Joker 2, we talked about on last episode. We uh, broke down the teaser trailer that Lady Gaga posted on her social media. Uh, Folia do, Joker Folia do. Um, Zazie Beats was in the first movie, uh, was kind of a figment of Arthur Flex, Walking Phoenix's character's imagination. She really did exist, but, she, but uh, uh, Arthur shaped zazie beats his character into what he wanted her to be which is like his girlfriend and like confidant but in reality she had no type of relationship with him so what do you think about zazie beats returning here i don't like it i really don't like it i want to move on from joker i want to move on from zazie beats and that storyline from joker that might have been the worst part of joker and i want to just focus on the relationship between harley quinn lady gaga and joaquin phoenix and joker arthur fleck i don't want if this is mainly an Arkham Asylum, I just don't, I don't want anything connected to Zazie Beats and that character. I just want to focus on this new relationship, focus on these two actors that are Joaquin is Joaquin, but Lady Gaga. Yes, there are some people that are like make fun of her, but I think she's on the come up, and I think this role is perfectly suited for her. I just want to focus on that, make sure they shine. I don't want any confusion related to Zazie Beats or mind shaping storyline. I, I just want to completely forget about it and move on. I think I agree. Uh, it just seems like it might be just for a cameo. I doubt she's going to be visiting visiting Arthur Fleck in prison. I think this is more just about like having this connected to the first movie in some way. Maybe Arthur has a delusion of Zazie Beetz's character. Maybe in the creates like in his mind, maybe a love triangle between her and Harley Quinn, which is kind of interesting if you think about it that way. But uh, yeah, like honestly, it's unnecessary. But it kind of like adds a little bit of intrigue of how she's going to be implemented because I assume it's not going to be with her physically in front of Arthur Fleck at any point in the movie. It's just going to continue with these delusions that he does see. So that's all I really got. Delusions. (laughs) Delusions. Underrated Pattinson role. Um, All right. Let's move on to uh, our review of Prey. Let's move on to our review of Prey. Streaming on Hulu. Uh, we're going to give you the Rotten Tomatoes, audience score, IMDb, synopsis, whole shebang, uh, and then we'll dive into it. So Prey currently has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, fire score, audience, 81%, IMDb, 7.3 out of 10. Synopsis reads, set in the Comanche Nation 300 years ago, Prey is the story of a young woman, Narut, a fierce and highly skilled warrior. She's been raised in the shadow of some of the most legendary hunters who roam the Great Plains. So when danger threatens her camp, she sets out to protect her people. The prey she stalks and ultimately confronts turns out to be a highly evolved alien predator with a technically advanced arsenal resulting in a vicious and terrifying showdown between the two adversaries. All right, there's your synopsis. Before we dive into this prequel, because this is a prequel, it takes place in 1719 in the Great Plains of these United States. I just want to ask you, Ricky, what's your relationship with the Predator franchise? I think you've hit, you hinted at it earlier in the podcast. Um, is it a strong relationship? Although there's seven movies, you have like a, even though like you, I think you mentioned you saw five. Do you, you have a strong feeling about those movies? Is it one of your favorite sci-fi slash action franchises? Enlighten us. I'm just, I think it's wicked overrated, this franchise. I'm just going to be too. completely honest. Like, I think the Alien franchise is far superior. I think that, yes, Predator, the original, if I had to rank the five that I've seen, that is clearly the, the number one. Um, that's just a classic action movie with the 80s tropes that work very well with a huge action star at the time, Arnold Schwarzenegger, that works very well. But besides that, I even think that might be overrated. And then everything else after that, I just don't particularly like. The Predator versus Alien movie, although... As a movie, I don't think it's very good, but I do do enjoy it just because it's kind of like when, like in sports, a super team gets assembled. You're like, oh, we always wanted to see those those these people together. It's kind of the same thing. You always want to see, like, oh, like deadliest warrior. If this person fought this person. What would happen? So I do kind of like that, but that's just like as a fan, that's what you like to see. But as a movie, not very good. I just 
I'm as a franchise, I think it's very overrated compared to like a superhero franchise, comic book franchise, or like uh, action or like a spy franchise or John Wick, something like that. But at the end of the day, this movie was good, and I think this is clearly in the top tier of the franchise. If I had to put my initial take on it, um, so I don't have a strong connection to this franchise. I, I love Predator. Um, but I've always heard such terrible things about the subsequent films after Predator. I have never really gotten into them. I actually watched Prey and then rewatched Predator again. Uh, actually, I only got halfway through, but it was just great because you're right. Like the original Predator, it is sort of a classic. Like it's not the best movie, but also it really captures the decade of action movies. Um, the junky lines like the hyper masculinity of that movie the catchphrases like the zooming in on schwarzenegger's muscles just having schwarzenegger as the the the, the, the star of the movie alongside carl weathers it feels so 80s um and then also what i think of is like the look of the alien i mean excuse me predator and i think when i grew up like a huge movie that was coming out was alien versus predator. That was massive. I remember those trailers, the promo, like the alien predator facing each other on that poster, pretty iconic. And uh, I was excited to see how the predator would look. If you go back right with the first predator landing, we're talking about 1719. I was fascinated how that was going to work out, but this is, has this franchise has staying power. And I was looking at some Twitter threads and I was looking at what people were saying about prey there really is a commitment to the franchise. And there's also a commitment to like the predator itself and its origins, making sure this movie did justice right to the origins of predator. I didn't know there was this type of fandom for this franchise, but I should assume that because there's been like seven films, right? So that almost is like uh, just me playing dumb and also just ignoring this huge franchise. But I'm also more of an Aliens guy. Like Alien, Aliens, like give me those movies, give me Prometheus, right? Even Covenant, I'll take yeah. that over almost any of these franchise movies, including Prey, to be honest, right? Alien, Aliens, Prometheus, probably not Covenant, right? But I did enjoy Prey. It was good. I think so, Covenant and uh, mm, Covenant versus Prey – that's a good I, showdown. I think that I think like Rotten Tomato score doesn't do Covenant justice. I think that's pre, did pretty poor. But I re so I did an Aliens versus during the during 2020 during height of COVID. I did watch Predator. Like this is when I watched the Predator franchise, and I also watched the Aliens franchise. Right, and to and then did the showdown Alien versus Predator. I kind of like watched both at the same time, and like for sure I picked Aliens, but. Covenant wasn't as like I would probably pick Covenant over all the Predator movies except Predator and the Pre and the Predators with Adrian Brody. Yeah, I, I never I didn't see that one. I, I want yeah, that, that, that ensemble is pretty good. Yeah, I, I Lawrence Fishburne, Marshall Ali, I think Danny Trejo, if I remember correctly, not bad. But like then you have like the ensemble of Predator Two in nineteen ninety, like Danny Glover, um, Bill Paxton. Uh, crap, who else is in that movie? um i don't remember the rest but that movie i think sucks i don't know why i saw a twitter thread saying how good it is i'm like no that's 90 tropes like la gang heat wave like it was just like a i just thought it was poor i thought that was bad movie like poor like ah. in the urban crime th thriller with predator just didn't work for me at all with the 90s tropes but um, going back to this movie i thought this movie was really good what i find interesting going off your point of how beloved this franchise is yes seven movies yeah clearly there's a huge fan base but this is the first one not released in theaters. And this kind of had that January dumpuary vibe to it where they kind of just like kind of threw this under the rug and threw it on Hulu without like a big promotion at all, which I found interesting for such a huge fan base. Am, am I wrong thinking this way? Well, I was thinking the same thing. And that's what I was going to bring it to next. Just the fact that you talk about like this is a beloved franchise. There's been seven movies, yet this prequel that might help explain like who the predator is or like the origins of it. It's just, it's resorted to a streaming service, which is crazy. It makes me think there might've been a deal made between studios. Okay. Which there was. Like Disney, like overall owning Hulu. And maybe there was some type of deal made there. Yeah. Um, like just to me, that's kind of nuts. And maybe also it didn't have the bankability of other 
um predator movies when you think about it like what you just listed you listened you listed a bunch of casts um large ensembles big names and then also this was coming off like the legs of some pretty bad predator movies like the ones that aren't looked at in the same way as the 1987 predator so maybe it, the, they didn't think the hype was going to be there but uh it's just to me it didn't have the bankability but i think it's more to do with like the deal that was struck yeah so if you're not aware of the deal so disney acquired 20th 20th century uh fox okay so fox products right before that deal okay 20th Century Fox had a deal with HBO Max to stream all their theatrical releases there. So that's why even post-merger, you had Free Guy, Nightmare Alley, West Side Story, Death on the Nile, all theatrical releases post-merger of Disney and Fox. But where are they streaming? They're streaming on HBO Max Mm -hmm. instead of Hulu or Disney Plus because that was with the agreement there. So Disney looked at Prey and said, okay, what do we want to do here? We're building out uh, Disney Plus. We're trying to get Hulu uh, subs up, right? We're trying to do better with that. A lot of Fox properties there. What what should we do? Release this theatrically, try to make a huge uh, box office number, which all the Alien movies or Predator movies that I listed uh, before, all have done great at the box office, they do by well. the way. Yeah. They do amazing at the box office relative to budget. Um, but uh, so if they were like, oh, if Prey gets a theatrical release, but we don't get it for our streaming service for the streaming wars. So they said, okay. And like uh, the, the director, um, Dan Trachtenberg, mm-hmm. um, he even mentioned how like Disney kind of wanted to make this like, oh, this is Hulu's first like action thriller blockbuster on Hulu that they're releasing. They wanted to kind of form it in that way. And again, they didn't first, market it very well, to be honest. Though. And they didn't, they treated it like a dumpy movie when this isn't a dumpy movie at all. This is a good movie. So I thought that was very odd how like they try to like change this perspective of it, but then they didn't promote it at all. But again, yeah. like you said, it's like hard to promote when there's not a cast behind it. Though all the cast is the first full feature film with a whole Native American uh, cast, which is actually really cool. But still, it's hard to promote that because there's no huge stars. I think I want to go there next is the setting and uh, the approach to this movie, because this took a different approach than many other predator films and the fact that we mentioned large ensembles for the original predator and the subsequent films here yes they go to a comanche tribe but at the same time it's more about the one-on-one the hunter versus the hunted or vice versa and uh, a lot of it's the story of behind amber mid-thunder's character naru um but you also mentioned native american cast this is the first film i think to have a full dub in the comanche language Yes, I think that's that is that's huge. Right. And uh, 1719, what do you think about that whole setting there, what they did with Native Americans? To me, uh, it felt very authentic, what they were doing in terms of the setting. It seemed like they took a lot of, lot of time, um, whether they talk about the materials that they're using, they're using healing, like four different people that are being attacked in this movie, the different um, – like uh, what it means to become a, a girl to a woman or a boy to a man in this type of culture. I thought the authenticity was pretty good. What do you think about the approach with this setting, right, for this prequel? I think it kind of relates to what we were just talking about with the theaters. I think the setting would have been great for movie theaters um, in addition to, like, the action and the actual Predator, right? I think that would have been a great thing to see, the Great Plains, 1719 Great Plains, that open space on the movie theater screen, on the, on the theater screen. Um, versus like the jungle and predator and uh, predators 2010 version, like or like a city jungle, setting or yeah. a city in predator two exactly 1990. I think this would have been much better uh, on the big screen, uh, just portraying that wise with the predator and the action sequences in this movie. I think that going back to the Native American, I think that another thing that that this film kind of differentiates itself between the other films is actually like a human story arc here, although it's very formulaic. I still think, yes, it connects with us where like, yes, we don't have any connection, at least like me and you, like no connection to Native Americans, no connection to hunting or the predator or strong affinity towards this franchise. But there's still a story arc behind it that kind of pushed this forward. So I think that those two things to go along with the setting would have uh, was very beneficial. I I didn't think the writing was out of this world is very simple and uh anyone could have understood like you just said no matter your background but the fact that they surrounded it with native american culture i think that that's cool and that's a 
it really ingrains yourself in the setting. I think the movie looked beautiful. Um, there are some moments in this movie where I was like, this is the best Nat Geo Planet Earth episode I've ever seen in my life. Like there's like, whether it's like the bear chasing uh, Amber Mid-Thunder's character, Naru, or whether it's the mountain lion scene where she's hunting the mountain lion, even the scenes without Predator, I found to be pretty exhilarating. Once you get about 25 minutes into the movie, 20, 25 minutes in, once you have those sequences, um, I think like, it would have looked amazing in the theater. Uh, and like, obviously the action thriller aspect of the predator movie, right? Those jump scares that you're going to be feeling that heart pounding moments. It, you just feel it more on the big screen, you know, and just more so than like watching this on your everyday television. Yeah, um, I would, I would agree with that just to chime in here because mm -hmm. you definitely like there was a good score that was very, and a good, a good music throughout that made the suspenseful, the thriller music, uh, the thriller type vibes with the music and the score I thought was very good. The movie was allowed to breathe a lot and soak in the setting. Sounded the good characters. too. Yeah, sounded very good. Um, and a lot of no dialogue. And when there was dialogue, there was a lot of Comanche dialogue as well and French dialogue, which was not closed captioned, which I do think was hurtful with a streaming uh, by this movie streaming because if you're in a theater you'd be fully focused but i did tend to go on my phone during a lot of these like let like uh full comanche french speaking dialogue times i did go yeah. on my phone a bunch of times when i wouldn't have in a movie theater which i think would have helped as well if this was released in the theaters so i just wanted to point that out as well um it's i guess i should have been on my phone but when it's streaming it's hard not to you know right especially because you had the comanche language with the french language you have the subtitles going no action in those small sequences just like the moment you can pick up your phone uh the dialogue here you just had right i guess very minimal i uh there uh, we mentioned the one-on-one -on -one aspect it's not it's less like catchphrases less ensemble cast bouncing off one another it's more about amber mid thunder okay as in the rue going against the predator uh, what do you think about this decision at minimal dialogue and uh, did we even need it for this movie yeah I, I did like like letting the like letting the audience breathe like i mentioned before i like the music and the score like with the suspenseful vibes i did like it but yeah i do think that maybe like again i actually I'll quickly say the producer jane myers here she's like a big proponent she's like also native american like I think she's also Comanche as well in Blackfoot or something like that. But she's a big like proponent, uh, like producing films to promote like Native Americans. That's clearly what she was doing here. But I do think kind of hurt it at times because I said like I, I at times I would go on my phone and then if I heard English, I would just look up. Right. And all these scenes like there weren't the great visuals. So there was nothing to captivate me towards like the screen. And I would say that the actors and actresses did well, but there wasn't like a dominant screen presence except the Predator. So it's not like someone's personality or charisma or just themselves on the screen were going to captivate me to watch, as which I think also hurt. Um, and it wasn't like detrimental to like, as in this is a terrible movie or terrible dialogue, terrible script or anything. It was more like, you know what, I'm just going to go on my phone real quick and just like go on Twitter for a hot second or something like that, especially with the Ezra Miller news going around and everything during the time. I was like kind of like, all right, I kind of want to check this out. So that's why, I don't know, I do think it kind of hurt it a little bit, especially with the streaming aspect. I thought this movie would have been better if there was just no dialogue at all or if it was just in all Comanche and all French. I feel like there shouldn't have been any English in this movie. Um, first off, I thought the way the dialogue was written like I felt the beginning of the movie was like an angsty teenager in 2022 rather than a, a coming of age a woman in 1719 Great Plains. Like like I, I just didn't feel like that the dialogue set the setting exactly. I felt like it was if it was just taken out. And I would have focused more honestly if it was all in subtitles. And like I feel like it wouldn't take away like there were it would provide some necessary context. But like the reason I'm watching the movie is to see Predator take on right this, this girl coming of age like I, that's the whole reason i'm watching it anyway and uh i think if it just went full on like either not necessarily silent but just full on just embrace that like whole middle section just make it zero dialogue okay all you hear is the, the as, as we said before the sound of this um 
not the jungle, but the sound of the forest that they're in, the sound of the predator and the clicking sounds, the sounds of the beast that is the bear and the mountain lion. Like to me, uh, the dialogue just didn't seem necessary and it, it, it didn't fit. Like, like to me, it just didn't sound like 1719. Did you ever get that vibe? Yeah, I actually, so it's funny. Cause like the reason why I know a little bit about this producer is cause I read like a interview transcript about what, what she did, uh, with this movie and she said that she actually recommends not only watching it the way we did but also watching it in the fully dubbed comanche language and now with your you saying that i'm like hmm i don't know i feel like now international feature films are very much more prominent now closed captioning is much more prominent as well more accepted i feel like yeah maybe that's the way to do it with this movie right i think that yes the first 45 minutes the first act i thought was very slow angsty teenager vibes which i didn't like as well i totally agree with you that's why the human story like yes there was one which i thought was beneficial compared to the rest of the franchise but yes it wasn't necessarily developed as well as i would have liked it or not developed but at least portrayed as what i would have liked so i definitely agree with you i think maybe i would revisit this the next time i revisit this which i will but it will not be anytime soon i don't think it's that good but i think when i will revisit it i do think it's that good i will revisit it in that in that fashion and I thought the acting, like when they spoke in like English, I thought it wasn't very top tier. I thought the best acting came from Naru when she's being when she's in the forest by herself. And like it's literally just the intensity and the emotion that she's portraying, right? When she's being confronted by a predator or when she's fearing for her life, or even when she's like stuck in the mud and she's trying to get out in that sequence. Like that to me, that was incredible physical acting and also the panic on her face. It was great. I think those moments, it's when the acting was at its peak rather than when there was any dialogue, to be honest. Uh, all right. Dog, by the way. Great movie, Dog. Excellent movie, Dog. I think it's Cirilli, what's its name? Sir Hurley? Yeah, the, the good movie, Dog, Cirilli, I think is the name. Yeah, this this dog was awesome. I actually was like wondering where did it go for a long time because like it went away for a bit and it came out of nowhere near the end. I was like, what? Whoa, it's back. Like, yeah. it, but it, it wasn't like injured or anything. It just left. I'm just like, whoa, like that makes sense. Was that after the bear sequence? And then the bear, then the predator eats the bear, and then the dog's gone? It was either that or after she's captured and she he runs away, which would make more sense. But still, long time without the dog, and the dog was such a, a bright spot in this movie. I was like, damn, like we kind of need the dog. Yeah. No, the dog is a beautiful dog, too. And uh, I, I, love the, also, yeah. I love a good, like, in, like, Native American, like their relationship with nature and animals, it makes sense. And also, like dogs, like they'll never leave your side. And this, the dog felt like it was the only one that believed in uh, Naru for a while too, because you have the, even the brother dismissing her, saying maybe hunting's not for you. The dog's always by her side the entire time. And like when she's accomplishing a lot of stuff here, like it's right there, as yeah, all and, dogs are. And that kind of that kind of like brings up another point, which I thought worked really well, because they could have picked any time to do this right they could have picked any like time period and mm -hmm. i think they picked a, such a great setting the great plains and native americans i thought the culture their warrior tactics their healing like i think and their relationship to animals i think works so well versus like the predator and how his the predator uh, he or she whatever the predator's skill set and the way it hunts and like obviously sort of like an animal like you know like i think that worked very well with this movie and with native americans i thought like i thought the combination worked really well and i really liked it but i will also say with the animals the visual effects i thought cgi really a little different. shoddy yeah i didn't really like the cgi the but bear I, was a little shoddy that's where i noticed yeah. that yeah i was like eh. and like the predator the guy who played the predator i'm not really sure who, i forget his name i'm not very well known but he was talking about how they had like so like six or eight different suits and like yeah the mud and like it was pretty practical yes there was there were small elements of cgi but you could tell like that thing was practical for the most part which i really liked obviously there were the crazy cgi effects that you have to have if you're going to have this movie but yes like for the most part you could see the difference between like the animal cgi and the practical predator which i really liked yeah, Dan uh, DiLiegro played Predator here. And okay. I do like what they did with Predator. Like, I, I, I thought they gave him a little bit of a different look, right, from, like, the fran like the subsequent franchise films. Um, I thought 
the cloning, like the when he's like invisible. Like I think they did it well in this movie. I was rewatching Predator when they do like the infrared stuff, and like you could see like the colors of like like the red, like the hot blood, like all the creatures that are moving and things like that. It looks a lot cooler in this movie. I, I, I don't think Predator stands as stands as well in 2022 as it did like maybe even 10 years ago. Um, a lot of people call it timeless. I was watching. I'm like, is this movie timeless? Mm. And I was like, like some of the dialogue too is a little like very much not 2022. And this one also has like like that was original predators like super hyper masculine. It's like this movie on steroids, high testosterone. 80s. And here they kind of flip the traditional, the original like predator 1987 on its head, and they give it the strong female empowerment figure. Yes, you may argue that okay, that's kind of a woke move, but also it's just a different approach to tell a story. You know, did that ever cross your mind when you considered like Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers smacking hands in the original compared to this one? Well, yeah, it definitely did. Like, I think that just generally, like we talked about this again with the gray man, like you want to see alphas take on an impossible force. Like they're the best at what they do. They want to take on something that's like also the best at what they do. Right. A, a adversary that's like harder or harder to defeat right than they could ever imagine the impossible yeah. task and that's what predator was right and you have a huge movie star to do that arnold schwarzenegger so i think like yes that's what we want to see right but i think this did a very good job like making it like an underdog story like uh the director dan trachtenberg talked about listen to the same interview this, i did yeah he like wanted yeah. to make this like an underdog story like a sports movie and i think it worked i think it worked because you know no matter what the, the reason why i think it works because he really leaned into it versus like and the pre and predator in 87 with Schwarzenegger, it's like he's yes he is like the best at what he does but you know what he's still a huge underdog to this thing you mm -hmm. know he should be and they didn't like obviously you can't really make this masculine movie and make and really lean into the underdog story but this one you can and i think it worked really Schwarzenegger's well literally a monster and this exactly. girl exactly like, and like this girl is being completely doubted by everybody and what's the best way to prove yourself i forgot what the term they used in the Comanche language to right. show like you've come of age. What's the ultimate way of showing and proving all your haters wrong is that when you kill predator and like when you come back with predators, green blood, like literally straight scraped across your face that what a moment that was too. Um, and then I also want to say I, I got sidetracked by like the, the way they told the story compared to the first predator, but I love the reveal of predator. I feel like almost the two predator movies I've seen do a great job with the reveal in terms of they, it's invisible. It'll show one part of his body. It'll show like another half of his body. Then it'll do a quick pan of his entire body, but you can't see the full face. And then when he finally reveals himself, right, to um Naru in this movie, it was more it was like even though I've seen this character, I knew it was coming, I was still kind of blown away by it. You know? It's just a, and it happens like not only it's like an hour in the movie, you finally see Predator in total form, you know? Yeah, I think. So, like, in 1987 version, like, or the, whatever origin movie you ever do in a franchise, the first movie, and you have, like, a surprise, like, the Predator. Like, you have this huge thing. You're surprised. Like, what is it going to look like? What is it going to do? What's its skill set, right? You don't have that surprise factor, all right, like, in this prequel origin type thing to the origin. And what do you have to do? You need to make it even better. You need to make their skill set even better. You need to have its presence there. You got to somehow make it different. Mm -hmm. So I like what they did with this one because like in the original Predator, it's like a lot of POV, you know, building up the suspense to that final like appearance, especially with the uh, visual effects, not where they were 87 versus 2022. It's like, what are you going to do? Limit the Predator screen time? Oh, let's just build a suspense till you see the Predator. So I think that in this movie, it's like, all right, we already know what it's going to look like. But how can we improve upon it? And I think they did it. And I think that was shocking to see how much, how like how well they did with that character, the Predator, when it's not on the big screen. I thought that was very impressive. Before we get to the scores and everything, I just wanted to ask you, what do you think about, because I haven't seen anything other than Predator and Prey in this franchise. How do you think they did? Do you think they could have gone more into the backstory of Predator? Or do you think that's just like the like a trope of most Predator movies where it's like they just show up and then they start attacking? Do you Like with a prequel type of movie, you kind of hope that some things are explained. Uh, but the, like the origins of not only, like just the origins of this animal. It's just this, I feel like these movies can just keep happening and you can put it in any time setting because it's just, Oh, came from space dropped here. Go. 
You know, I feel like the fact that it never shows a backstory to the uh, predators themselves and these alien figures that it just allows for these movies to keep being me keep being made because there's no finite beginning to them. You know, exactly. These are just classic like the predator. These alien beings, like they're just hunters. They just like to hunt for sport and they're competitive. They don't eat their prey. They just hunt and they want to just be competitive. Like they want to hunt the best thing. They want to go against it. Yeah, that's what they want to be. And that's the beauty of this franchise where you can just keep making these films. And like you said, there's no finite point. That's right? what I thought like, we potentially were going to get in this movie, but it's just like, oh, went through the sky just like the first one. And then all of a sudden it's there. And go. Yeah. So like I do like think that's like hugely beneficial to the movie studio, 20th, 20th century. But I think that's a big reason why I like Aliens more. Because you get that backstory, you get that cinematic feel, that story, that human development. You have everything there, and I think that's why, like, I just like one of the reasons why I just personally rather watch those. And yes, with those, they're gonna do more, and they're probably they're gonna be they're gonna keep making those, and it's gonna be way overblown. But you know what? Like, I'm happy with what we got with those originals, and also with the Prometheus and Covenant and everything after. I'm happy with those. Yes, everything's going to be blown, but whatever. This one, it's like, okay, these are more fun, and it's just watching Predator do his thing. Like, I was thinking, like, what's the next movie? Do they yeah, do what, another the prequel setting? to this? Do they go to BC time? Like, what do they do? Like, like I don't think this is a prequel. It's just a movie. Like, like, it, like yeah. it doesn't connect to, like, the next Predator, like, the original Predator in any way. It's just, yeah, it exists then, too. Now let's just go to, like, I don't even know where you go. We can go to dinosaurs if we want to, bro. Yeah, dinosaurs. I, like... Be alien versus dinosaurs alien versus or alien versus jurassic world <laughs> predator versus jurassic world yeah yeah me. yeah i was actually thinking that, that this reminds me i was thinking not to belabor the movie theater point but also with the promotion of this movie i do think it hurts by like the poster not being predator i know like that's not it was like, her right it was her with yeah, the it's her, right i think that because the name of this movie is prey not predator versus prey or something like you don't know just by looking at it that it's but the predator technically is prey here too it's like to me it was like an interesting title because you can refer to like the girl is prey but she she in the entire time is focusing like not the entire time but then she brings the predator as the prey like she's going to hunt and kill this thing so it's like i feel like you could have had both of them literally on the poster you know i feel like prey yes. just it was vice versa yeah i actually do like that I just think that somehow they should like the promotion was bad for this movie clearly, but I think that if it was just maybe you put him like the predator on the poster or just change the name, at somewhat predator versus prey or something, I think that would have even made it better. But again, like this is going to be a classic word of mouth. Like we're doing a podcast on it because of how like the critically it's doing how well it's doing how many people are watching it right we wanted to watch it and we watched it we liked it so much that we wanted to do a podcast on it and a review on it this is going to be a classic word of mouth versus like a promotion that disney should have done for this 100 percent, and it's kind of a shame you know it felt like it really did have potential you see movies like like word of mouth is huge like everything everywhere all at once word of mouth all of a sudden it's a hundred million dollar movie for a24 exactly and this one like you have a word of mouth and not only is it like word of mouth that this is a good movie it's also a good predator movie so that's and it's a franchise that's reliable that does well the box office exactly exactly all right what do you give prey on a score ricky flux uh i give it a 76 76 i i i think we said all the good things about it the negatives i think are they're pretty big there's just like the human story first act i thought was incredibly slow formulaic uh overall but at the end of the day this is a fun movie but also not only fun, but compared to the rest of the franchise, this is definitely, I would say, I think I would rank it third out of the five I've seen. Um, What's two? Uh, the Predators. I would take Adrian Brody, Marshall. Oh, Marshall only had a smaller role in that. What year Lawrence is that Fishburne, movie? 2010, I think. 2010. Wow. Like I, I would take that over this. The radar. Um, but I would definitely put this above Predator 2 and Alien vs. Predator. I haven't seen Alien. I'm oh, sorry predator um the, the predator 2018 version i haven't seen that one and i haven't seen the other one that i don't know but i think this is ahead of predator 2 and uh what i said before but the and then predator 87 the best that's my personal ranking maybe i'll dive back in dive into this franchise in general and make some final rankings and then reveal on the podcast but i'm gonna go with an 80 
just going to go with an 80. Uh, I was disappointed by, I guess, the beginning of this really slow, but when it kicks in, it really does kick in into high gear. The acting, people are really praising it to me. Wasn't too special. Dialogue, not too special. Would have been better off just being full-on Comanche. Uh, I don't mind reading some subtitles. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm going to give 80. Uh, definitely a pleasant, enjoyable experience, though. All right. It has some cinematic moments, too. Like, uh, literally looking at the screen, you're like, this was some, somewhat made for a movie theater, 100%. All right, that's going to do it for our review of Prey. Uh, what do we got going on later this week, Ricky Fox? We got top. We got Brad Pitt, top billing draft? Brad Pitt rolls top billing. That's going to be massive. Must listen. Yeah, Brad Pitt, top billing draft, right? Last one we did, I believe, was Nick Cage. When we did an actor draft, role draft. for mm, uh, That was fun, too. An unbearable weight of massive talent. And so we're going to have that. Uh, make sure you're following wherever you're listening right now. Make sure that you are also following us on all of your socials. If you listen to our podcast, please rate us five stars and then leave us a review. If you leave us a review, we'll shout you out in the podcast. And... Uh, yeah, nice little shout for the kid. Uh, that's going to do it for episode 133 of the Drive-In Podcast. Until next time, we will...